Support for this program comes from listeners like you. To find out more, visit us online at theschoolofchrist.org. Works by Love. This is part seven of the series and part two of what we started talking about last time, Increase Our Faith. If you would turn over to Luke 17, I'm not going to, of course, go through everything we discussed last time. I encourage you to go back and listen to the replay, Uh, but I do want to hit on the highlights and the main points of what we talked about last time and then get into the rest of that message and conclude it and conclude the series uh, with this part seven. Increase our faith. Um, We first explored, can faith be increased? And then the source of faith. We covered those two points last time. Again, we'll touch them lightly this time. Then get into the object of faith and then the measure of faith. I feel like I have to go back and and, um, just touch on those first two points lightly for the benefit of people just joining us for the second half of the message. But I do encourage you, if this helps um, and you want to learn more, to go back and listen to that um, part one of this, if you have not already done so, which is part six of the series. That happens sometimes. Sometimes I have more than I can convey in one session. So um, I want to make sure that we are respecting your time and not over teaching. Um, but uh, I also want to make sure that I communicate clearly. And um, so here we are. That's the purpose of our joining together. So Luke chapter 17, we read this previously, and this gives the title for the little subsection here in the series. The series is Faith Works by Love. Uh, It doesn't work by sweat. It doesn't work by your strength. It doesn't work by working yourself up or performing various things in, uh, in terms of the flesh. But faith works by love, and um, the Lord clearly showed me that if you want to understand how faith works, you have to understand how love works, because faith works by love. And we saw that faith is about relationship, or it should be about relationship, just as love is only has meaning and significance in the context of a relationship. If faith works by love, then faith should also be in the context of a love relationship. If you pull faith out of a love relationship, it turns into religion. It turns into um, uh, legalism rather than love. And we've seen that happen with the Word of Faith movement, which is kind of an umbrella catch-all description for a lot of other little heresies and teachings that have come out of that general idea, Uh, whether it is um, um, supernatural, 
success and, and prosperity, and God wants everyone to be rich in the things of this world, uh, or if it's um, just the misunderstanding of what faith is, um, to think that, that God wants everyone to be perfectly healthy and perfectly wealthy and perfectly successful in this world. And anything less than that means something is wrong with you or something is wrong with your faith. I hope that I have shown you from Scripture that is not necessarily the case because I I feel like that has done more damage to people uh, who are hurting than it has helped. And um, uh, this series has not been about divine healing, but I think some have taken it to be a series about healing. It, it's Actually, it's not. It's about faith, and it's about what you believe to be true, even if the answer does not come, or even if the answer is not forthcoming, or even if the answer is not arriving in the form or in the time and season that you expected. So uh, it's a fine line there. Uh, certainly, we believe in divine intervention, when, and we divine we believe in miraculous provision, and we believe in prayer, and we should pray, and we should ask and seek and knock. Uh, but the challenge I have is when those things don't seem to give us the answers that we want. What happens? How do we explain that? What what does that mean? And for some, for too many people, it means something's wrong with me or, or something's wrong with my faith or I didn't give enough money to the church or I didn't, um, I didn't manifest my, my healing because of something that I'm doing wrong. And so you, you, what you are placed under this uh, really heavy burden of condemnation and guilt. Um, so I hope that we have debunked that in Scripture and also shown you that there are people of faith, uh, for example, in Hebrews 11, uh, who never received the promises in their lifetime. But they believed that God was who he said he was and that God would do what he said he would do. They just didn't have the expectation that they would get everything and that God would do everything for them in that moment or even in their lifetime. So we've been talking about the next level of faith that says, where are you in your relationship with the Lord when the Lord doesn't seem to answer your prayer, when the Lord, when the healing isn't manifest, when the financial miracle doesn't happen, uh, when the, when the provision isn't there, or the thing that you're praying for doesn't, uh, doesn't happen in the, in the manner that you seek. And there are lots of reasons why, um, that may be the case, but even this series is even, even um, it's even not trying to go through and catalog all the reasons why your prayer might not be answered. That's not the point either. It, it's simply to say that it's a fact of life that we don't get everything we hope for. We don't get everything we pray for. And we can examine the reasons why and come up with with some some reasons why. But I want to go further than that. Let's suppose you don't you you never know. And there may be a situation uh, where you don't have the answer 
and asking why only makes you more frustrated, uh, regardless of why. And maybe it's something totally outside of your control. My, my question for you is, where does your relationship with God stand, whether or not God delivers the thing that you're praying for? That, to me, is the true measure of faith. It's to be able to trust him, even from Job's perspective, when it looked like God was trying to kill him, when God was cursing him. We know that was not the case, but Job was operating in uh, a, a time of uh, low, low insight, low revelation, low wisdom, but high faith. Why? He says, even if God kills me, I'm going to trust in him. That's faith. Faith says I might not get the answer. I might not get the deliverance. I might not get the healing. I might not get the miracle that I'm praying for. I might not see with my eyes the thing that I'm hoping to see. But even if all of that is true and, and none of that happens, it's not going to change my belief and my faith and my trust and my love that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. My love relationship with God is not based on God doing for me. It is based on who he is. That's the level of faith that I'm trying to address with the teaching. And I think that... Um, I think the point has been made, but it, it is, it, it's more than just um, an intellectual acknowledgement. This is what I mean. Faith works by love. It doesn't work by formula. It doesn't work by flesh. It works by love. And to understand how someone can still have faith and trust in God, even when it seems like God is ignoring them and not answering their prayer. That's what I'm, that's what I mean. And that's what I think scripture means that faith works by love. You can't explain it. You can't mentally make sense of it. Logically, it doesn't make sense. Love, love is very illogical. Because love never fails, and, and love just continues to love when, by all accounts, it should give up. Love continues. And I think uh, it is in that spirit that Scripture presents our faith. It's our trust. Because we love God, we trust that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do, even if we don't see it, even if we don't receive it. It doesn't affect our love relationship whatsoever. But it, it does, however, affect your religion. You can lose your religion and move over into relationship, uh, but that is a different that is a different way of viewing God. In, in the religious mindset, the religious perspective, God exists to make me happy, healthy, wealthy, and successful whatever that means. That's what God is there for. God is there to answer the heavenly hotline day or night whenever I pray for things that I need. Well and good until that prayer is not answered or I don't receive the thing I'm not happy, I'm not healthy, I'm not wealthy, I'm not successful in some area, 
and God's not making it happen for me, and then I become depressed and, and anxious and angry and say, well, what's the, what's the use? What's the point of being a Christian? What's the point of following Jesus if I'm not going to get the answer to my prayer? I did all these things for God. Now God should be doing these things for me. It's a quid pro quo relationship, which is religion and no different from any pagan um, Aboriginal Native American or Incan Mayan Aztec uh, religion of old. We do for the deity, so the deity will do for us. That is a quid pro quo religion. Relationship, on the other hand, says I love God. And because I love God, my love relationship with him is not based on performance. It's not based on my performance, and it's not based on his performance. It, it works both ways. God doesn't say, I'll love you so long as you are obedient, so long as you do the things that I tell you to do and you walk in my ways. Uh, then I will love you. But if you don't, then it's all over. The relationship is off and, and um, I want nothing more to do with you. That's not, that, that, again, that is religion. That's not relationship. A love relationship, God says, here's how I want you to behave. Here's how I want you to, to live and walk and be holy and be righteous and be obedient and do my will. And all these things are, that, that's where true happiness is, by the way. We're not doing them just simply to appease God or get something out of God, but they are intrinsic, meaning the happiness and the blessedness is intrinsic or part of the obedience. It, it, by, by doing the right thing, you feel better. It, it, just you know, to make it as simple as I can, if you, if you do good, you'll feel good. If you do God's will, you will at least, even if you're going through difficult circumstances, have the the assurance and the peace and the faith that you're doing what God's called you to do, what God wants you to do in that situation. But God does not have a quid pro quo relationship with us that says, I'll only love you so long as you perform for me and do the things that I tell you to do. That's his preference, obviously. But his, what I'm saying is his love is not conditioned. His blessings might be conditioned on obedience, no question about it. But his love is unconditional. It never fails. It's not based on performance. In the same way, my love relationship with God is it's not based on God's performance. Sure, I want God to bless me. Sure, I want God to, to prosper me and give me victory and answer my prayers. But if he, even if he doesn't, it doesn't change my love relationship with God because it's not based on performance. My love doesn't change for God based on his performance, based on what he does or doesn't do for me. Just as his love for me is not based on what I do or fail to do for him. So any approach to God that's based on that is, is destined for disappointment and failure. Well, the disciples in Luke 17, 5, they asked an interesting question. They came to the Lord and said, increase our faith. And the Lord said in uh, Luke 15, 6, if you have faith, I'm sorry, Luke 17, 6, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it 
would obey you. So the disciples ask that question, can faith be increased? You may be asking that question yourself. Brother Chip, how do I get to to the place where it no longer matters if I get the answer or not? My love relationship with God is not conditioned upon God's performance, God's doing for me. How do I get my faith increased to that point? Well, Jesus seems to indicate that the size of faith here is irrelevant. The disciples wanted more faith, but Jesus says that even if you faith as small as a mustard seed can uproot trees and can move mountains and can accomplish amazing, amazing things. So it the it's not so much the size of the faith, but the source and the object of the faith. If you think faith is something that you have to work up in yourself, that's a problem because that kind of faith is not sustainable. And that's probably where the disciples were thinking, well, faith is some kind of a power. We see this power at work in Jesus. We see it at work in us more often than not. But sometimes we run into these situations, Lord, where we need more faith to walk on the water, to cast out the demon from the boy, uh, the legion there that's got all those devils and, and just problems everywhere we look. Some of them we can handle. Some of them are bigger than we can handle. Increase our faith. Give us more. And it's always from this perspective that we need more when Jesus says it's not really the size as much as it is the quality. It's the source and the object of your faith. Where does faith come from and to whom is it directed? That's more important than the size of it because if you if your faith is in the right is from the right place and it's directed to the right to the right destination, the source and the object, where it comes from and where it goes. If that's correct, then it doesn't matter. It could be as small as a mustard seed and you would still see the result. It's not that that this person has tremendous faith in a double portion of the spirit and the anointing, but I just have a little bit over here so I can't do what they can do. No, that's not the case. It's nothing to do with the size. It has to do with the source and the object of faith. Where does faith come from and to whom is it directed? And if you ask a word of faith person, they'll say faith comes from me. And it's directed towards the thing that I'm trying to get or the answer. And what I'm suggesting from Scripture is that faith does not come from us no more than love comes from us. Remember, faith works by love. God is love. We said that very early on in the series. God is love. Love comes from God. Love is not something that I can work up in myself. But love, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It's not that we love God, but that God loved us. And because of his love, we are able to freely receive and freely give the love of God. Well, if faith works by love, then faith must work the same way, meaning faith is not something that I work up in myself. And it is certainly not faith in me and in my ability. Paul says in Romans 7, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, 
dwells no good thing. See, Paul knew that. A lot of Christians, unfortunately, have not learned that yet. They still think that there is something in them that is holy, something in them that is powerful, something in them that's able to love, something in them that is able to exercise faith and power and anointing and authority. And all of these things are coming from God through us, but not from us. If we have it at all, we have it because God gave it to us. So that's the source of faith that we covered last time, Galatians 2.20, not only the secret of the Christian life, but the secret of how we live by the faith, not by our faith, but by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2.20 says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. <laughs> There's faith in love again. Of course, it's in Galatians where Paul gives us that wisdom, that faith works by love. Well, it's not me, Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We live by his faith and power, not our own. You see, my faith is weak, but his faith is strong. My love is weak, but his love is strong. My power is weak, but his power is strong. So it's not about increasing my faith, but relying on his faith. My faith is increased as I rely upon and live by the faith of the Son of God. Not my love, not my power, not my faith, but his. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is our only hope as well, to be able to live any kind of Christian life, any kind of testimony in the earth today. This secret is not to increase your faith, but to rely on his faith just as i just as we rely on his life and just as we rely on his love the secret of all these things is not i but christ we saw the connection between grace and faith we've seen that love and faith are connected faith works by love well, grace is what? Grace is what God gives you that you don't deserve. Which means you can't work for it and you can't earn it. By grace, you have been saved. It says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, even the faith to believe for salvation, to trust God for salvation, that is a gift as well. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And how would they boast? Well, that's what religion does. I have a double portion of the Spirit. I, I have the triple anointing. I have the title of apostle. And um, I have prayed longer and fasted more times and preached more sermons and therefore, I have this great power and anointing, and now here I am boasting as if it is something in me that I have done to earn 
this grace. So Paul says that's not the way it works. It's not of works and things that we do, because what happens then is the ones who have it boast and lift themselves up over the ones who don't have it. And the ones who don't have it feel like they're not worthy. They feel condemned. They they feel like that they can't measure up. And isn't that exactly what happens with religion and with word of faith, for example? You've been saved by grace through faith, and that faith is not of yourselves, is what the verse is saying. The grace is not from you, the salvation is not from you, and the faith is not from you. It is the gift of God. These are gifts of God. And to further support that, we saw faith working by love is a gift of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, To one is given the word of wisdom by the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, to another faith. So faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, not something that we work up, not something that we increase through the sweat of our brow. We'll talk about how faith is increased, but it's not by working harder, doing more things, trying to earn it. It is living by the faith of the Son of God. It is receiving faith as a gift of the Spirit. And not only is faith a gift of the Spirit, faith is also a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We said that word was pistis, not pistos, for the word faith there. Pistis is the noun faith. Some translations say faithfulness, and it's a, it's a very close word, but that's not the word that Scripture is using there. It's saying that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the result of walking in the Spirit. And no more can we, in our own selves, make ourselves become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more gentle, more good, more faithful, more meek, and more self-controlled just through willpower. No more can we do that. We have to walk after the Spirit, Scripture says, and then the fruit of the Spirit are all of these things manifest in our character. We love, not because we're trying to love, but the love of God in us compels us. We find ourselves full of joy, not because our circumstances necessarily dictate that we should be joyful. And we, and you know, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy is much deeper than happiness. Happiness has to do with my circumstances. If I feel good and things are going pretty good, I'm happy right now. I'm, I'm happy with the happenstances of my life. I'd like my haps. If I am unhappy, I want to undo my happenstances. I'm not happy with my circumstances. 
that's in a different realm. That's like AM band compared to FM radio compared to satellite radio. Joy is so much deeper. Joy is a spiritual fruit that is independent of circumstances, independent of difficulties. So you can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice even in prison, even in difficulties, challenges, and tests of your faith. Well, right along amongst all of these other things that you can't work up in yourself, but they are fruit of the Spirit, faith. And what do we say that faith is, by the way? Redefining real biblical faith. It's not the ability to manipulate God and manipulate other people and manipulate my circumstances to my liking. Whether it's through prayer or quoting scripture or any other device that you want to use, real biblical faith is simply trust. Faith is trusting that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. And because I love God, I trust God, I don't require that God does everything I want him to do when I want him to do it and in the manner that I expect him to do it. But the real test of faith is when those things aren't manifest the way I wish for them to be. And then we see what my relationship with God is really made of. If it's based on performance or if it's based on trust and love. Well, that brings us to the material that I wanted to get to last time, and we are continuing on to part two of the message, just to share this from Mark 11, the object of faith, and then the measure of faith after this. But Mark 11, if you return over there, please. Mark 11 Now in the morning, it says, uh, Mark eleven twenty. in the morning, as they passed by, Jesus and his disciples passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, the main idea here, and and you could take a lot from this passage This is one of the proof texts for Word of Faith as well. Uh, Certainly there are some conditions that you can apply elsewhere. For example, you ask those things according to his will and the things that are, you do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Um, But the, the main idea here is the object of faith. The object of faith is what or whom we are believing in. What or whom do we put our faith in? What or whom do we put our trust in? And Jesus says, have faith in God, meaning we trust that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. We are not putting our faith in ourselves. 
to do what we say we're going to do. We are not putting faith in our faith, in our ability to believe, in our ability to overcome doubt, in our ability to work up enough faith to change an outcome or manipulate a circumstance to our liking. The object of faith is God. Have faith in God, Jesus says. Because ultimately, it, the power is not in you, it is in him. It is believing and trusting what he says. And if he says to you to speak to the mountain and, it, and have it removed, you, your power is not what's moving the mountain. It's your trust that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. And if he tells you to speak to the mountain, you can expect the mountain to obey you because you have faith in God. You trust that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. He is the object of your faith. Your faith is not in yourself. Your faith is not in a formula. Your faith is not in a teaching. Your faith is not in quoting or proclaiming Bible verses over and over again as if that in itself had some kind of power. But you have faith in God. You trust in the Lord. It is not faith and trust in ourselves as if by our own faith and power we can make the mountains move. It is not faith in other people as if we, if we can just get to brother so-and-so's meeting if we can just get to sister so-and-so's place and we can use their faith to get what we want. See? See how subtle it is? Especially when you are in need. I, look, I understand. I get it. When you're in pain, when you're in need, when you need answers to, to questions, when you need solutions to problems, you begin to cling to other people as if they have the answer. Again, Jesus says, have faith in God. It's not faith and trust in yourself. It's not faith and trust in other people, no matter how good they are, no matter how spiritual they seem. We can't use somebody else's faith to get what we want. The source of our faith is God, because faith comes from God, just like love comes from God. Faith is a gift of God. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So that's the source. And just as the source of our faith is God, likewise, the object of our faith is God, meaning that we direct our faith back towards God. Not to ourselves, not to other people, but we completely cast ourselves upon the Lord, come what may, Come hell or high water, as they say in my part of the, of the world. That no matter what happens, our trust is in the Lord. That he will answer in the time and in the manner of his choosing, not ours. Faith trusts in God. Have faith in God, Jesus says. Our faith is in the Lord, not in people. And even in Acts 3.12, we see the tendency. 
when Peter and John healed the man who had been lame there. And they said, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? And they went on to say, It's not by our power, not by our faith, not by our great anointing. They didn't say that. I extrapolate that from the response. They said, it's not by our power or goodness that we have made this man walk, but by the name of Jesus and faith in that name, faith in his name, has caused this man to have perfect soundness. So have faith in God, have faith in the Lord. Faith trusts in God, not in people. Zechariah 4, 6, the Lord says it's not by might nor by power, meaning it's not by your might, Zerubbabel, and it's not by your power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Say to Zerubbabel, it is not by your might that anything is going to happen, and it is not by your power. It is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So the source of our faith is the Lord. The object of our faith is the Lord, not ourselves, not other people. Let's talk about the measure of faith. As we conclude, the measure of faith, Romans chapter 12. I think you will find this very, very encouraging. Romans 12. Beginning in verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Look at that again. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So this is encouraging. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That's the New King James Version. The King James Version says the measure of faith. A measure or the measure of faith. Either way, this supports the idea that faith is a gift from God. It is not something that we work up in ourselves. And we all have a measure of faith. We all have a measure. And it says that God has dealt to every man or to every person. And he goes on and he's talking about many members in one body. Uh, similar to 1 Corinthians 12, many members, but we don't all have the same function. We have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. But we all have the measure of faith because God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Dealt means 
divided or distributed to all or to each. God has divided or distributed to all or to each, to everybody. A measure or the measure of faith. Measure means a portioned amount or a predetermined portion. A portioned amount. Now, if each of us has a measure of faith or the measure of faith, and it is dealt, divided, distributed to all or to each, a predetermined portion, certainly we all have at least a mustard seed. (laughs) And that's what Jesus says. Having faith is like being pregnant. Either you are or you are not. You can't be a little bit pregnant. And the good news is that God has dealt to each one of us, to every one of us, a measure of faith. And if we each have a measure, we certainly at least have a mustard seed of faith. So faith in a love relationship means trust. And this is why I think that Jesus did not answer their request right away. Lord, increase our faith as if Jesus can make you trust him more. I don't think Jesus can make you trust him more. Can he give you more power? Probably. More anointing? Probably. More gifts? Probably. But when it comes to faith, faith works by love, and faith in a love relationship means trust, and Jesus cannot make you trust him more. That's why he pleads with them. Believe and don't doubt. Trust me. Have faith. Because he can't make you trust him more. He can't make you love him more. But these are evidences of a love relationship and that it faith is increased, not because Jesus gives you more faith, but because you're simply in this love relationship with the Lord and you are doing the things that people do in a, in a love relationship and faith is increased as a result of that love relationship. So let me get specific here with three ways your faith is increased. Number one, faith is increased through prayer. Now, when I'm talking about things you can do to increase your faith, I'm not saying that you approach this legalistically or with religious overtones as if you can earn it. But I'm telling you the things that you do that deepen your relationship with God. And as your love relationship with God deepens, faith grows. It's inevitable. But we don't get the increase of faith without the deepening of the relationship. Let me say that again in case you weren't listening. You don't get the increase of faith without deepening the relationship. These two work together. So you you just aren't going to get more power, more anointing, more faith, more gifts for this or that and do nothing to deepen the love relationship between you and the Lord. So it's with that understanding I share these three ways to increase your faith because it, it they indirectly increase your faith, but what they're doing is they're deepening the love relationship 
And as you know God and walk with God, you begin to trust him more. Faith begins to grow and increase. And that's how faith is increased, through prayer. A, a wonderful way to pray in Mark 9.24, this is the father of the child that the disciples of Jesus had a hard time with. They could not cast the demon out of this child. And Jesus spoke to the father and says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately it says in Mark 9.24, The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's a wonderful prayer to pray. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I think I've observed before. Most people have some faith. Maybe they have more or less. But few people have all faith and no doubt, and few people have no doubt and all faith. Usually it's a mixture. And so this is a wonderful thing to, to acknowledge and to pray, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, help me to overcome that tendency in me to doubt and to not believe. I want to believe, but help my unbelief. I think that's a wonderful and honest approach. Uh, it's without pretentiousness, it's without arrogance, it's with great humility that we acknowledge before the Lord, Lord, I believe, Lord, I want to believe, Lord, I want to trust. And in some areas, yes, I do trust 100%. But here's this area over here that I'm struggling with, help my unbelief. And, and what do you know? Uh, the answer came for him and for his child. Not through the disciples. Jesus says, this kind goes not out except by prayer and fasting. Once again, it's your proximity to the Lord of love that gives you the power and the anointing and the faith to move mountains. And if you look at faith as a power or as a formula that you can exercise absent of a relationship then you are in the situation where the disciples are, are there and they're facing this impossible situation and they say, well, why couldn't we do it? You make it look so easy, Jesus. How come we couldn't cast the devil out? And Jesus says, because of your faith, but why didn't they have the faith for that? Why the faith for the small things, for the ordinary cases, but not the faith for these larger things? He said, well, that kind goes not out except by prayer and fasting. So faith is increased through prayer. Let me ask you a question. Would faith be decreased through prayerlessness? If we don't pray, if we don't fast, if we don't spend time in the presence of Jesus, do you think our faith would be increased or will it be decreased? Well, that stands to reason, doesn't it? Faith is increased through prayer. Therefore, faith will be decreased if we are prayerless. And that's what Jesus is getting at with his disciples. He's, he is, it, it's interesting that he is not critiquing the Father for not believing. He is critiquing the disciples. Uh, 
It's hard for people to believe for their own healing. It's hard for people to believe for their own deliverance. They're too close to the situation. And that's why we need disciples of Jesus who can go and can pray and intercede and stand in the gap and exercise faith when you've got other people who are struggling. And they're struggling not because they don't want to believe, but because they're so close to the situation, it's difficult for them to believe. And that's that's why we are members of a body and we pray for one another. It's easier for me to have faith for your miracle than it is for me to have faith for my own miracle. But this faith is increased through prayer. Faith is also increased through the word. And Romans 10, 17 tells us this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as as you read the word of God, again, why would we do this? Well, you can approach it from a religious standpoint and get legalistic about it and say, I'm going to read 10 chapters a day so that I can get more faith. And you approach it legalistically and with uh, religion. And it, it probably will not have the effect that you are looking for. But if you approach the scripture as I love God and I want to know him better. And I want to read of all the others who had a love relationship with God. As faith. As you read of God and the works of God and the word of God, and you read about the testimony of Jesus and how God is moving and working in the lives of the saints in the New Testament and his people in the Old Testament. As you hear the word of God, faith begins to grow. As you hear and you participate in this divine revelation, written down so that all you have to do is read and listen and learn and grow. Faith comes by hearing. As you read the story of God delivering the people out of Egypt and into the promised land, crossing the Red Sea, faith comes by hearing that, hearing it and hearing it and hearing these stories That's why we read and why we listen to the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is increased by hearing the Word of God. So I'm not saying you have to read 10 chapters a day or 30 chapters a day, but I'm saying that you need to be more familiar and more acquainted with the evidences of God's works, his will, and his way in the lives of people who trusted him. Because we take courage and inspiration and motivation from these stories of divine intervention and of healing and of miraculous provision and God at work. And as you hear, your faith grows. As you read, your faith grows. Faith is increased through the word. The reason that works is because we're building our love relationship with the Lord. We're getting to know him better. And it reminds me of when the angel came to the father 
of John the Baptist, and the angel came with a message that said, you're, you're going to have a son, and you're to call him John, and he will be great, and he will um, prepare the way of the Lord. And Zechariah said, how can these things be? And the angel said, listen, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of, of God. How can these things be? What do you mean, how can these things be? I stand in the presence of God. I'm telling you what God says, and nothing's impossible with God. But because you're down here on the earth, you're in your world, you haven't been to the throne room the way I have. <laughs> but I, he said, I stand in the presence of God. What do you mean, questioning what God has said and what God would do? See, your proximity to the Lord increases your faith. Your faith is increased through the word because through the word, you become more intimately familiar and knowledgeable of who God is and what God has done. And isn't that what faith is? Trusting that God is who he says he is, that God will do what he says he will do. Angel, The, the angel Gabriel said, I'm, I'm in the presence of God. I come from the presence of God. I know that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. You, meanwhile, down here on the earth, you don't enjoy the presence of the Lord the way I do. But since you didn't believe it, you, you will not be able to speak until you see it come to pass. <laughs> well, I, I just think that's interesting. The closer we are to the Lord, the more our faith is increased. And one sure way to get closer to the Lord is in prayer. The other is through the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The third thing, the third way that faith is increased is through difficulties. And we've talked about this in the series. If your understanding of faith, if faith to you means avoiding difficulties, then you are avoiding the very situations designed to increase your faith. And it's my view that faith cannot be used to avoid difficulties in this world. But with your trust and belief that God is who he says he is and God will do what he says he will do, he will help you to navigate the storms of life. Not to avoid them altogether. James 1 verses 2 and 3 say, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Faith is increased as you navigate the storms of life, as you venture out into the Sea of Galilee, and then the storm comes and the winds pick up and the waves begin to crash and you think you're about to die, and you cry out to the Lord and the Lord says, peace be still, and you see the storm is calm, faith is increased. Faith is not increased when you sit on the shore from the safety of wherever you are and you refuse to go out because there might be a storm out there. Or you pray that God just gives you a clear path with no storms whatsoever. No challenges, no tests, no trials. See, I don't think that's realistic anyway because Jesus says in this world you will have tribulation. And Paul says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
But rather than be afraid or thinking something is wrong with me because I'm going through these difficult trials, Jesus says, be of good cheer. And James here says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. As you can navigate this, you can get through this, you can navigate anything. You can navigate other things. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, not always around it, not always over it, (laughs) but through it. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so our faith is increased as we successfully navigate these difficulties. We would not choose them, but we cannot refuse them. So it is not a question of the size of your faith, but the source and the object of your, of your faith. And just like salvation or love, so faith is also a gift of God. The secret of faith is the same secret of living the Christian life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We live not by our faith, but by the faith of Jesus, the Son of God. And our Heavenly Father has given everyone a measure of faith. So apart from Christ, we can do nothing but in Him and through Him, we can do all things, even with faith so small as a grain of mustard seed. If you'd like to get additional teachings, audio recordings, books, and other Christ-centered resources to help you grow spiritually, visit us online at theschoolofchrist.org.